This episode of the Braving Business Podcast is sponsored by, well, me. I'm PJ Benoit, and I've been in the domestic and international logistics space for over 30 years. If you need any assistance with transportation or logistics, my team and I will jump at the chance to help. Whether it be parcel shipments, e-commerce, pallets and freight, full truckload, international air and ocean, imports, exports, warehousing and distribution, or really anything under the logistics umbrella, we got you covered. For more details, please go to shipwithpj.com. That's shipwithpj.com. Reach out to me there. Mention you found me on this podcast for a special surprise. And one last quick thing. If you enjoyed this episode, please stay on after the show to learn more about the Braving Business Podcast and other great episodes for you to discover. And now, let's get the show started. Well, hello there. PJ Benoit. Hello there, my friend. Hello, Mr. Tall. How are you, buddy? I, I'm okay. I'm a little, uh, you know, I'm a little beklempt. It's a Yiddish word about the passing of uh, one Henry Kissinger. He passed mm. away uh, last night at the age of 100. I wasn't even a fan. I just, uh, you know, whenever someone passes away that has just been part of your life, I mean, I've he's been, frankly, he won the Nobel Peace Prize, which some people would be surprised mm -hmm. the, year, <laughs> the year I was born in 1973. Okay. Mm. So this man was... You know, I don't know if you could say he was accomplishing things or not. That's that's subject to some discussion. Uh, but he's been around my entire life, and now he's gone. Wow. I don't know. Mm. Do you have any strong feelings about Henry Kissinger? Uh, not many. I, I found out that uh, he was born in 1923, which was the same year my dad was born. So mm. I was like, wow, my dad would have been 100? That's really weird to think about, actually. So uh, outside of that, I mean, controversial, right? Uh, Well-respected uh obviously brilliant guy um who depends on what side of the fence you're on either you think he's he did a great deal for the country or you think he did a great harm across the world uh he made an impact no matter which way you're looking at it skip do you, do you have any views on henry kissinger i say the same thing he made an impact in the world and that's part of my philosophy about even being here whether it's right wrong left right up down my old dream was to impact humanity in some way or form because we are basically a grain of sand on a beach. Yeah. So if we can have a, uh, an impact in that sand and put some kind of path in humanity, then here's to you. I love that. Well, I love that. I love it too. I would say, Skip, you've probably had, your legacy is going to be one of bringing joy to tens of millions of people. And I think Henry Kissinger would be hard pressed to say for anyone, even his biggest fans would have to agree that he was at least controversial and that some of the positions he took in his life made him unpopular in cer certain circles. But I have one fact about Henry Kissinger that very few people know, which I, as someone who's a big soccer fan, um, find compelling. He was a big soccer fan and a soccer player. Mm. Henry Kissinger, can you imagine him on the field? I can just imagine him yelling instructions in his deep baritone voice. That, that must have been something, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Probably elbowing people. All right, people. well, what's that? <laughs> Probably elbowing people. Oh, gosh, <laughs> I can see that. I can see that. Um, PJ, I, we have one of our, by, by any measure, one of our uh, most celebrated guests yet, and I'm, I'm very excited to introduce him uh, to our audience. And uh, as usual, you'll do the honors. You know, don't... Um, people who we've got. Don't... 
uh, don't think I didn't catch the pun of celebrate um, mm -hmm. as a word That's being right. used because <laughs> Mr. Right. Skip Martin of the hollowed cool and the gang band, as well as the Daz band. Let's, let's, let's learn a little bit more about Skip. Skip, of course, is a Grammy and Emmy award-winning artist, songwriter, producer, and author, best known for his tenure as a lead singer and trumpeter for two legendary groups, one, Cool and the Gang, and the other, the Daz Band. His, his achievements include platinum and gold uh, record recipients, uh, R&B Song of the Year Award, six consecutive top 100 albums, and two top 100 singles, just to name a few. Mr. Martin has also received an honorary degree of Doctor of Music and several certificates of appreciation for his numerous tours to Iraq and Kuwait and is a special honorary member of the United States Air Force Heritage of America Band. In addition, Skip is a goodwill ambassador to both Kaka, sorry, Kakagawa, Kakagawa. Kakagawa City and Okinawa in Japan. This is the very mm -hmm. first time a resident of a foreign country has received this honor in Okinawa. In his recent Emmy-winning project, People Get Ready, Skip led a campaign of love and support for the children of St. Jude affected by COVID-19 as well as their families. The project included collaboration from 28 major recording artists, including my bucket list, Stevie Wonder, as well as Taylor Dane, Neil McCoy, Ray Parker Jr., John Elefante, Kevin Chalfant, Dougie Fresh, Robert Coolbell, and Pastor John P. Key. Just to name a few. This is literally a who's who yeah. list. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I, I, I have friends who are going to be very jealous of this whole conversation. <laughs> in, in May of 2023, Skip was honored with a pre prestigious Presidential Lifetime Achievement Award in recognition of, and I quote, his exceptional contributions to the music industry and his outstanding dedication to community service. Skip... Wow. Holy smokes and all the accolades. <laughs> we are so honored to have you with us on the Braving Business Podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so honored to be here. You guys are amazing. <laughs> very kind of you. Um, I looked at you guys too. I'm like, wow, how'd they do this? Teach me something. Please, please help me. Please, please. <laughs> okay. I think we can end the uh, podcast right yeah, here, PJ. Thank you. It's the time for the outro music. We, we got we got all the sound bites we need. It's not going to get any better than oh, that. Oh gosh, jeez. Can can, oh, can, uh, can I get my wife in here so you can say that? No, I'm just kidding. You know. Yeah. Well, oh my it's gosh. Incredibly kind of you, and uh, you know, I, I we have a list of questions for you, and I, uh, this this interview was scheduled a few weeks back, and in the time between the scheduling of the interview and and now. Mm -hmm. Um, a dear friend of yours, and we were talking about legacy and, and, uh, it, it isn't necessarily the order I would normally go with, but I think given the impact he's had on the music world, on you, uh, the drummer and co-founder of cool in the gang, George Brown passed away just a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, I, I cried a lot of people I'm sure were deeply affected by it. It really felt like a personal moment. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us a little about, about George, about your friendship, about your relationship and, uh, and the legacy you felt you feel he left behind? You know, uh, George and I were like, he was like my brother from another mother and, uh, being in, uh, um, cool in the gang, we, the two of us had something in common that we didn't even really realize till later on in life. And that was, we were both, uh, six foot and over. 
in a band of people that were five, six. All right. (laughs) (laughs) And that in in itself had some uh, um, obstacles to deal with, you know, but he was very talented and uh, he, he had a lot of insight and, and wisdom. And um, he was like my, my, uh, one of my, my allies in that. And we became really tight and allied friends uh, from an incident that brought us together in a uh, uh, conflict. We had a conflict over a certain opinion of something, and we got into a face-to-face type of lip-to-lip type of uh, argument. This turned into a more of a physical type scenario, which ended up in us looking at each other as like, man, he told me one day, he said, Skip, you know why I love you? He says, you're not a ball washer. Most people are. And we tied it, we tied the knot and became really tight. He he meant ball washer that. in the sense, I think, right? Is that yes. that's, that's the sense. Exactly. Right? Sure. I'm just being straight up. And <laughs> it's that. That, and this is part of what tied us together because with whatever challenges were going on, we had enough integrity to be ourselves no matter what the what the situation was. And we were more into being ourselves than to being what somebody wanted us to be, and that tied us together. That's that's amazing, and I'm um, thank you for uh, for sharing that with us. Yeah, that was um, very cool. And you know, I, by the way, I'm going to be sprinkling um, names of your songs throughout uh, the episode in a variety of segues. Some of them I will be obvious, and some less. And I'm going to be paying attention whether with whether PJ catches on. Mm. Uh, but you know, I think let's get down on it. I think we should start with, uh, <laughs> how'd you like that? Yeah. Like okay. That? Okay. Oh, great. Right? Yes. It's bordering uh, on too hot. Too. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, with, with, with the career you've had, um, I, I'd love for you to take us to the beginning, you know, share the beginning of anything is, is rife with self-doubt, mm. uh, with uncertainty, even the most confident people, even if you, you just believe in your bones that you were born to be a star and, and that you had something to say that the world needed here. There is still that element of really do I, and how do I stand out? Talk to us about the beginning. Let me uh, tell you how it started for me. Yeah. It started, it started like this. I was seven years old and I was riding in a Dodge Rambler with my grandmother and grandfather. We were going somewhere and, uh, Nat King Cole had passed away. And they're playing on the radio a tribute to Nat. Unforgettable, that's what you are. And when I heard it, it sounded to me like he was in the room, in the car with us. And I said to my grandmother, Nana, that's what I'm going to do. And she <laughs> turned around. She said, what, baby? I said, I'm going to play music so that when I die, people will feel like I'm still in the car with them. That's where it started for me at seven. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, and so I just kept my, uh, I, my pursuing um, because pers- when your pursuit uh, proves your passion. And that was my passion. So I just kept on doing it. And I just took every day as a, a part of what was going along, going on with this. I'm going to keep turning this light on because it keeps cur- turning off. Um, so I just kept on going. I took whatever was happening as a part of the journey. And um, I have learned through any journey, um, if you look up at the top of the mountain, say you're trying to go to top of Mount Everest, and this is a metaphor 
for the challenge it takes to get to the top in any music industry or any business industry. And I'm looking at the top of the mountain. If you look at the top of the mountain and you're walking toward it, it looks like it's not moving. It looks like you'll never get there. But if you look down and take one foot over the other, it looks like the ground is moving fast. Then every once in a while, you'll look up and look back to see how far you've gone. But don't keep doing it. Just keep staying focused on one foot over the other. And in time, it will show the gravitation and the, and the elevation that you are gaining by this pursuit. That makes it easier to climb the mountain than looking up at the dream. Hmm. I like that. It's very cool. Uh, the only thing that comes to mind right now, first of all, wow, you, you know, um, so compelling. I've never heard that before. I've never heard anyone presented in those terms. And it's so obvious when you think about it, right? I mean, it's like, yeah, it's, it, it, it in a way, it uh, makes me think about what I heard when um, I started, I, I was very briefly, and again, I'll, I'll throw in a song uh, in a second. Uh, I was a singer as a child in Israel. Um, I was on Sesame Street, and I'll throw an open Sesame here, of course. Um, and um, I was a singer, and my story was very similar. I actually, you know, saw saw a show, told my mom that I I felt like I could do it, and and then I did. Um, and from that point forward, I mean, I was so young, I didn't appreciate where I, what had happened. And it was years later that I realized, you know, if if you reach the mountaintop very early. It feels so daunting to try to go from there to the next place. And you did accomplish a lot of success fairly early on in music career. Now, maybe that's just my impression of it. Maybe you struggled a really long time beforehand, but you 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 made your mark pretty early. Did it seem too easy? I mean, you know, as as you started making your mark, did it seem like, oh my gosh, I yeah, I it just happened for me. No, or, or was uh, was the behind the scenes struggle much more profound than that what appeared like for me from the outside looking at? Well, first off, I have three C words. I have a string of C words that have to do with what it took to be successful. And to me, it was what it takes to be successful at anything. All of these C words. It starts with courage. You have to have the courage to go to an environment that's less familiar, less comfortable, less convenient to make your way. Then you have to have the vision to collaborate. Like you and I are collaborating. I have something that you may not have. You have something that I may not have, but there's power in numbers. The third thing is you got to make choices to even do this podcast, to, to do this thing, to venture out and do this. Then you have to take a chance on how it's going to come out. You take a chance on what you believe, a calculated chance on how it's going to come out so that you can overcome challenges. The challenges are what make you great. Overcoming challenges is what makes it great for anybody. And the last C would be a relationship with Christ. Some type of way, these you have to have courage, collaboration, you have to take a chance, you have to take on the challenge, you have to be ready for the changes that will come in your life with these foundations. Those are my guide words and my mantra to success at anything. That's very cool. That's very cool. And I'm gonna I'm gonna get to one of those C's in a minute, but I actually have a question for both you, Skip, as well as you, Tal. When you so both of you had like the same beginning part where 
you you heard something musical and you're like, you know what, I'm gonna go do that. When you're young and and you know wet behind the ears, you 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 didn't know what the journey was gonna be yet. But both of you achieved, you know, obviously uh, great success. Oh, please don't put own. me in the same category. I'm just saying. Please. I'm just saying. You, you, uh, you, Israeli Sesame Street and hey, some Israeli music shows. Hey, I was I was in a I was you know I was on stage in a local uh, show you know for my grade school. All right, so I was a cactus. Big deal. Anyway. Um, when, when you were pursuing this, like, I am sure that Tal, when you, you sang something and you're like, oh, you know what? I think that sounds right. I think that sounds good. Or skip when you were picking up an instrument and and somehow you, you landed on the trumpet. Thank, thank goodness for all of us. You did. And you hit that first really good note. Do you get, do you remember that? Do you remember that moment? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I remember the moment like it was yesterday. So when I was coming up, young boys, they tend to like to take things apart and put them back together because uh, we want to see how things work. So when I got my first trumpet, I took it apart and I put it back together, but I put the vowels back in improperly. When I put them back in improperly, this trumpet sounded like a kazoo. And it was terrible. And everybody else in the class, he, pa, 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 pa. I'm like, now I'm trying to figure out how to make my trumpet sound like everybody else's. It was really hard. I didn't know what was going on. So I just said, well, I just, it's just hard. I'm going to keep working on this. Then I, one day my teacher heard me. Okay. One day my teacher heard me and my teacher said, um, Mr. Martin, bring me your trumpet. I took it over to him. He took the valves out, put them back in. When he put them back in, he put them in correctly. Now my trumpet, pa, 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 pa. It had the biggest sound of all the kids in the class. And it helped me to develop something that I didn't know I had till I was in, the, in my late 20s. And that was, I had, I developed an audio photographic memory. That means whatever I heard on the audio, I could play it on my trumpet. Didn't matter what key it was or what have you. So all the kids were trying to play the scales. I'm like, don't you hear that? You don't hear that? What's wrong with you? You don't hear that? And I would just try to play. So I could play anything that I heard. And I thought it was a curse because... Everybody else was learning how to play the music from the sheets of music. And I learned a philosophy that I teach with other kids to this day. And that is, and I put it in a Gen Z type of uh, metaphor. I say, now these notes on the paper are like a GPS. They just guide you down the road, but they can't drive the car. Mm. Music is the sound of a soul singing. That's my definition. So we get ready to do this song again, but this time I want everybody to close your eyes and play it. One, two, three, four. Before you know it, I got 64 kids in the band with their eyes closed playing from their hearts, which changed the sound of what is coming out of their instruments. And the whole purpose to play an instrument is to transform that lifeless, metallic, plastic, the brass, instrument to emit a human resonance, to resonate in the human feeling. 
And that's what I've learned to uh, teach kids from my experience, from what I learned. And that's how I learned it. But I had a gift that I didn't identify till later, till I was 27 years of age, was when I realized that I had this gift. And I had a teacher. Um, his name was Kenny Davis out of Oberlin College in Ohio. And I told him, I said, Kenny, I want to learn how to, I want to learn how to play stuff cold from charts. I want to be able to read the charts cold. He says, Oh, I'll help you out with that. So he had me come over to the house. He pulled out the music, put it up on a music stand. He says, Okay, we're gonna play this. He says, This is what we're gonna do. He said, now I want you to play it. I said, okay. He said, wow, that's amazing. I'm like, yeah. He said, that's amazing because that ain't what's on the paper. <laughs> he said, you got it like that? I said, I told you I want to learn how to read this stuff cold. He said, look, don't even worry about that. I'm just going to give you more stuff for vocabulary, and then I'll extend your vocabulary, and you'll be fine. Don't even worry about reading. And I didn't have to worry about it because I've been out there with Arturo Sandoval and his, all the guys that played for the Emmys and the Tonys and the Oscars, and I'm teaching them how to play Ladies' Night and get down on it and telling them how to play the stuff, what have you. Because it's what you play out of your heart, not what's on the paper. So they were reading it on the paper. I said, no, play it more legato like this. You know, okay, we got it. So that's how I've learned it. And that's, I'm sticking to it. That's my story. <laughs> well, I, first of all, I feel so good to hear, uh, to hear that, uh, you singing that. There you go. I'm, I'm oh a three. Gosh. Yeah, all right. Just getting started. <laughs> Well, he he already mentioned ladies' night. I was going to do that one, but all right, fine. That's right. Uh, <laughs> but you know what? Here's what you know. I, as you were saying that something, uh, obviously, we're a business podcast, generally speaking, and uh, something came to mind as you were talking about that that I, I thought, is worth bringing out, which is in, you, you talk about the fact that ultimately, doing something well comes from the heart, and uh, if you just try to follow instructions or do it by the book, you're you're leaving the human aspects out of it. You're, you're more mechanical. Um, and I think what separates us humans from computers, although that's becoming less and less so uh, with artificial intelligence, but still at this moment, I would say it still separates us, is that we add a certain genius uh, that is, as you said, not on the page. And in the context of business, in, in most of my career, um, the moments that have stood out the most for me, both in terms of my own accomplishments and leading others, have been moments that were not planned. There were, there were, we started in one direction or we were doing one thing and then, and then we just kind of followed our heart and, uh, and or we, you know, we did a little something different than what we originally intended to do. Um, yes. Maybe, maybe on purpose, maybe not so. And those were the most magical moments. And I think that's really what you're talking about. Um, yes, it is. Let go and let God. That's what it is. Once you let go of the control of it, it's already there for you. But that's one of the most difficult things for the human mind and spirit to comprehend is letting go and trusting. Hmm. Trusting and letting go is where all the magic happens. When you, when you try to control it, then you get in the way of yourself 
and it comes out where you were, were trying to uh, mechanically create it, what have you. Let it go. Just let it fly. Let it swing. That, that's where that, that, that analogy came from the pool hall said, study long, study wrong. That meant once you try to calculate it and all of this stuff, you're going to miss the shot because you're doing too much thinking. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do the thinking. It's already there for you and it's innate. So all we have to do is just do something that is uncomfortable, less convenient, less, uh, 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 you have to have courage to let go and just let it fly. That's awesome. And then you'll hit, the, you'll hit that ball more often than not when you do that. You'll hit that target more often than not. You'll find that statement, that phrase, more often than not when you don't think, let it go. Just grip it and rip it. And, yes. You know, PJ, as, I, as I'm thinking about it, it, and oftentimes, and this is, you know, where we're going on uh, approaching our 40th episode, and not surprisingly, uh, there are certain themes that are coming up again and again, sure. themes that I think separate the successful and, and the more fulfilled from others. Um, and I think, you know, I, I, I'm thinking about our conversation with the uh, former Inspector General of the U.S. Army, General Leslie Smith, and uh, with ESPN Baseball Tonight host Xavier Scruggs and others who also told similar stories. Xavier Scruggs told us a story about how he was in the minor leagues and he had gone 0 for 17 with 11 strikeouts and he was just so in his own head and and eventually he just said, you know what, I'm, I'm just having fun. I'm playing with a bunch of guys. I just need to go out there and play ball. And less mm-hmm. than a year later, he was in the major leagues. Yes. Um, you know, it, it, it is, there is something about just releasing the grip. Yes. Very powerful. Yes, that that's where you that's where the most uh results from everything come in when you just let go. You know, you just let it go. And um that's why we have producers in music, you know, yeah. so that you can just, you know, just I will go in and record songs. I can record a song almost every week. Every week I can record a new song. Because I'll go in without uh a, a preconception of what it's going to be. I will just go in. Sometimes I won't even have lyrics. I'll just go in there. I have a track playing. I'll just go, da, da, da. I'm going to tell you, da, 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 da. And ice cream. And there's something special. And then at the end, I'll come back and go, okay, I like the ice cream word. I like something special. Okay, let me put this in there. Now I've been laid out something that I can, I can now fill in the, the blanks later. But if I had not had that, We have this philosophy when you're doing music and recording. You're going to get it in the first take or the 50th take. Because the first take, you're just letting it go, letting God, and you just rip it out. Then the next 49 takes, you're trying to get back to that first one you did. When you get to 49, you just say, forget it. And you come in and do number one again. So it's usually the first one and the 50th one are the takes you want to take. So I'll go in and produce people or have somebody help producing myself. And I'll say, give me a practice. Give me a practice. I said, give me a practice. And the girl will sing it and give me that number one that I was looking for, that magic. And I've got it on record. I, I have the engineer. I just say underneath the, the, the microphone, push the button. He's like, well, I should push the button. Okay, give me a practice. Push the button. They push the button and they get it. Okay, she's like, okay, I'm ready to do it. I'm like, I already got it. Thank you very much. 
<laughs> so, you know, this, that magic comes when you just let it appear and stop trying to prepare it for its arrival. Very cool. Very, wow. Very cool. Uh, Tal, you know what this whole conversation is so far? It's fresh. What is it? It's fresh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's exciting. And I tell you, I cherish it. I, I really do. <laughs> that's right. It's better than, that, better than having Joanna sit on my lap. Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> All depends on what mood she's in, but yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, that's too oh. hot. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Oh, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right. We okay. got to stop stepping out all the time. Come on. All right. Okay. Right. Let's whip up something else to talk about. <laughs> Let, let's do that. Uh, you know, PJ, I think you were going to go to one of the C words, and, and that was, was a good one. And, I was. And, and, I was. Uh, so, maybe we should go back to that. Yeah. Sure. Well, we, it could have been Cherish, but that's a whole other one. Um, okay. What I, what I wanted what to go it? to was collaboration, right? Like, yes. you, you mentioned you're not a ball watcher, which I appreciate, mm -hmm. but collaboration has been a part of your journey, especially when you, yes. when you are in a band as large and prolific as cool in the gang with, I don't know, mm -hmm. 900 members or the Daz band. Yeah. yeah. You, you guys are like yeah. parliament out there, right? You got like everyone. Yeah. So, um, yeah. can you share an experience when collaborating, like actually collaborating with others led to some unexpected growth for you or some learning, whether that's professional or, or personally? Oh my gosh. Uh, I've had so many visions while doing performances. Um, and I remember one incident with Cool in the Gang. And we were doing uh, uh, funky stuff. And we were grooving. Now they're going to give me the solo while I'm playing on my trumpet. And so when they broke it all down, it's just cool. And everybody's got their little parts. Everybody's staying in their little lane and all this stuff. And I'm feeling the groove. And I'm like, I'm out here with the real cats. I'm out here playing with the real dudes. And they're letting me play my solo and bleed over that. And just was killing it. And I could just feel the synergy and the energy of everybody having their own little parts, but staying in that lane and giving me the space to color it. It was just, it was a moment that I'll never forget. That was like, whoa, I'm playing with the real, I'm playing with legendary iconics that brought a sound to the world. And I'm being a part of coloring this right here. What a blessing. So, you know, so in, the, in, in those moments, did, did you feel like you belonged? Did you have any doubts where you're like, did you have any? No, I never had any doubts. No, I, no, I didn't have belong. any. I knew I belonged. I you know, it was my, well, my space. I was confident with that. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to step in this hole. I got this, you know. And, um, but I had that confidence because I was on the journey since I was seven years old. This was 30-something years later. And I'm in that moment. So I knew that moment was going to be there for me because I claimed it when I was seven. 
you know, and if whether I wrote the song or not, the whole purpose of it was the fact that I was going to leave something here in this short blink of an eye that we call a lifetime that will span and live longer than my physical body. And that's all I wanted. It didn't matter about girls, didn't matter about cars, didn't matter about riches and gold, didn't matter about properties and this and that. It mattered about being able to leave something that would touch somebody like I was touched when I was sitting in that car. PJ, you know, you and I just interviewed Eddie Wilson, who's, who's a billionaire, uh, and he shared a very interesting story with us. He, he told us that it was only when he found purpose mm -hmm. that he finally felt at peace. It didn't matter that he started 120 companies and sold 90 of them. It wasn't until he really felt like he, he was there for a reason that it all came together for him. And I think that's... Mm -hmm. Very similar to what we're hearing from Skip. Oh, yeah. I, yes. I love that. I was going to mention. Now, maybe you found yours earlier. Yeah. I, and Skip, I was going to mention your analogy of of grains of sand. Or, you know, we're all grains on the beach. I was, mm -hmm. one of my personal philosophies, or, or actually one of my longest life's goals have has always been how to figure out how you can leave a mark on the world without leaving a bruise, right? Mm -hmm. And that is, I, I think this is all kind of ties into that where, giving forward and, and, and finding your place. And, you know, your, your collaboration was, uh, from, from what, from that story was not only about learning how to work with others, but it's worth learning how to flow with others. And there's a difference. Yes. You know? Right. 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 You know, w uh, uh, one side of it is to tolerate others and, and, um, you can't change what you tolerate. So that's, I try not to tolerate. I try to flow with it and be a part of what it is. And that's where the growth is, occurs. Yeah. That's what I've come to find out, you know? And I remember being on a beach one day where I came up with that analogy about the sand because we was playing uh, a concert. We were going through Cote d'Ivoire, which is the Ivory Coast in Africa. And the truck that we were in, the van we were in stopped so guy along this beach so guys could stop and get trinkets and what have you to take home as souvenirs, you know. Now I'd already gotten a bunch of souvenir things, so I had no room to do that. So I went out behind the shack to the beach. When I got to the beach, I mean it was just right behind the shack. And I got to the beach, I looked to the left, and as far as I could see to infinity, there was nobody on the beach. And I looked to the right. And as far as I could see to infinity, to it got to a mist, there was nobody on the beach. And I could feel the ocean waves just, was just rumbling and rumbling. Oh, here I am playing with Cool and the Gang, thinking I was somebody. I found out I wasn't shit. I'm sitting over there going, oh my God. I'm no more, I'm more, no more nothing in this piece of sand on this beach that I have in my hands. I'm no more than a grain of sand in the whole picture of things. Let me get a grip. <laughs> wow, what a story. Amazing. Here's one thing we, we've talked and I, you, you mentioned it to us uh, in the, in the pre-interview that you believe that failures are essential to success, mm. but everything we've discussed so far have been moments where frankly you figured it out and you were successful. When have you struggled? Uh, talk about that, and, and and what was your process to get out of that? I mean, I think we, I think we, we have the framework for that process. The struggle, the biggest struggle for me, 
was struggling with my heart, struggling to make changes that my heart wasn't so ready to do. That means leaving my hometown with people and familiar and going to another place where my heart was comfortable being where I was. Leaving a band to go on to another band when my heart was into what I was doing with those guys and their, their disappointment that I'm moving forward, but I still got to do this. My heart changes when I'm married to a woman in my first marriage and my, my uh, high school sweetheart, and we had nothing in common if we had a new two-month-old baby and I knew it wasn't going to work out for us, I had to leave. My heart didn't want to, but my mind and my purpose was leading me, no, you got to do this. So I think the biggest thing is getting out of the way of your heart because your heart doesn't always speak uh, the truth. It just speaks your feelings. It's interesting. So how do you reconcile? I mean, so, so basically a lot of people would say that um, what living is, it's reconciling our mind, our heart, and our spirit. And our purpose. Yeah. Our uh, purpose is bigger that. than all of uh, those things. Uh, I would say that's true, and that's a good, it's a good one. Thank you for adding that. Mm-hmm. When when you feel, I mean, I, I I find it super interesting what you just shared. Um, the heart, the heart and the mind sometimes lie, mm-hmm. uh, or at least don't necessarily have have it all right. Right. How do you? I mean, what, what's your what's your process to try to get to the bottom of, you know, if, you, if you're if you're experiencing conflict between what your heart says, what your mind says. How do you reconcile that? I work with my gut instinct. Mm -hmm. There's something inside us that will give you the first, your first mind. What does your first mind tell you to do? Your heart tends to come in as an afterthought. It's a conscience. It comes in on the afterthought. But your mind and your purpose is a vision that comes to you first. (laughs) Shoot that shot. I see it. Boom. Shoot it. You know, make that decision. I see it. Boom. Make that choice. I'm, I'm thinking to choose to do. Well, if you're thinking to choose it, you're, you're studying long, you're studying wrong. If you've got an inkling that that's what you need to do, step on it and go out there and trust in it and take on the challenge. Take the chance that something's going to change. And that's not always comfortable. And I found myself. You, I wanted to know about some of the trials. I had some trials with, I had to go to counselors, missing that because I would get to moments where I was, I was drugging, I was drinking, I was de- falling into depressions, I was this and that and so forth. And here I was sitting in a house that was comfortable with a woman that loved me and everything was there and the carpet was done, it was clean, it smelled nice and this and that and so forth. And I'm going to the counselor saying, why am I falling off this wagon and feeling this way? And I talked to him for about a year or so. And then one day I just told him, I said, you know what? I'm paying this money for this counseling thing. This stuff ain't doing a damn good or good for me. I said, this I don't have a resolution. I don't have to solve for this. He said, well, look, let's just take this time. I want you to read a couple of these things. Just take the time. The next time I went in there, 
I had diagnosed myself. I said, you know what's going on? I found out what the deal is. I'm depressed because I can't live in mediocrity. I have to have a challenge. Without a challenge, I feel like I'm not accomplishing or doing anything. And that makes me depressed. That makes me fall into these certain things because the challenge, to me, is the source of life. I've been challenged my whole life. So without the challenge, there was something missing. And I didn't know what that was. I couldn't figure it out till that day. And it came to me, oh, it's been too easy for me sitting here. I can't just sit on easy street. I have to challenge myself because that's where I grow. You know, I have created, now I'm 66 years old. I have created 64 albums. Um, the reason why I have so many albums, each one of those album projects has about 10 songs on them. So the reason why I do that is because the create creation for me, just like women, is the happiest time of my life. That's my happy place. When I'm in the studio creating a new song, it's like a woman nurturing, uh, being pregnant and nurturing a new child. And then sometimes the women go into postpartum depression because that happy moment is over. And now the child is here. You got to go on. But that process is over. So I feel the same way when I get finished with the process of creating a song and we do the last downbeat, boom. Then the guy said, okay, that's it. We got it. And I say, that's it. We're done. Oh. In order to come out of that funk, I start writing another. I got to write another song. And then, then I come out, I'm back in my happy place again. So I'm just, I'm, I'm not uh, uh, deliberating how I'm sharing these things with you. I'm just bleeding out the I, moments I to expand that. on everything. I, yeah. I think our audience would, would love, I mean, I, I, I love hearing what you have to sh share with us. And, and I love that it's off the cuff. Um, and I, here's what I heard. I heard you talk about, you know, you need to recognize uh, when you're not comfortable and recognize that being uncomfortable actually oftentimes leads to the greatest growth. Yes. Um, and, uh, and I think it takes a lot of self-awareness. Uh, you need to know yourself. You need to know what motivates you. And then you need to recognize those moments in your life where, um, frankly, you need to do some stepping out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the growth does not occur in a comfort I zone. Love that, I love that you are getting every one of these, PJ. I'm I know. really impressed. I, I didn't know that you would. I, I didn't. I honestly. Dude, I used to have a radio show. I, I, I know a lot about yeah, music. I do know that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> growth does not occur in a comfort zone, and comfort does not exist in a growth zone. You know, so that's just how yeah. it is. Also, so, it also sounds like complacency that's a kills. That's t-shirt right there. Right? That, that, that's yeah. That yeah, I don't know. Did, did you catch what he just said, PJ? That, that I heard most of it. Wise. Can you, you repeat that again? Because I think we Gro spoke over you, and I want the audience to hear it. I said growth does not occur in a comfort zone, and comfort does not exist in a growth zone. Ah, that's very true. No, that, that is a T-shirt. That is a Absolutely. Well, you know. well said. Well said, young man. I'm going to say young man. <laughs> I think. <laughs> <laughs> 64 albums and like with 10 songs an album. That's like uh, one, two, three, four. That's like over 20 songs. That's amazing. That's, uh, that's a lot. <laughs> PJ's not good at math. <laughs> <laughs> terrible at math. 
All right, so here's a little switch. To very recently, you had just received the Presidential Lifetime Achievement Award, which is that is that Lincoln? Like I don't like explain that. No, that came from that came from Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and uh, the White House and certain people. I don't think he meant Lincoln actually awarded it to you. I think he's been there for a while. I think he meant the Lincoln Lincoln Awards. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, the Lincoln Awards. But it wasn't the Lincoln Awards. This was uh, an award for my. you know, I spent a lot of time, and this helped me to find my purpose. Um, I enjoy doing music. I enjoy playing concerts. I played in front of a million faces. I've even got a song, uh, 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 I've had some drinks in exotic places, been around the world, seen a million faces. I've ate with kings and I've drank with, but nobody makes me feel the way you do. So I've been around the world doing a lot of things, but what makes me, gives me the most joy and satisfaction is when I can go into a classroom or a radio show like what we're doing right now or, or a speaking engagement and get those aha moments where the kids look back at you and go, I got it. Oh, that's like, that's like gold to me. That's like, that's a real connection. And then when I come back, this three-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old is now eight years old, nine-year-old, 10-year-old, and they're making me origami birds and flowers and stuff. And they're looking at me like I'm God because I remember you, Martin San. You know, I'm never going to forget you. So I made an impression in a young life that just from being myself, following on the floor with puppets and communicating with kids that don't even speak my language, but using the puppet as a conduit to connect with them, acting like a child on the floor. (laughs) And they're having a ball. You know, so I've really come to find some of my purpose in the things that I do for others, uh, I get more. I get more reward because the most profound project of my life was when I did the People Get Ready project. Because it wasn't about me; it's about us. And when I can do things about us, that's where my that's where my most joy and gratitude and reward come from. Also, it also comes from when I can achieve something and my adversaries define what my reward is Mm. by seeing me do something they thought I couldn't do. So adversaries are key to Mm. the definition of reward. In other words, those are are haters. Everybody (laughs) needs that. Well, you know, and, and generally speaking, the more you accomplish, the more there are people that don't like you. Uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, we had the celebrity uh, event planner, uh, Edward Parati, uh, on, on a recent episode. And he talked about the fact that, you know, he, he doesn't expect everyone to like him. It's actually part of the part of the game is knowing that mm-hmm. you're not going to be liked by all. And that's OK. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, being motivated by some of the hate. Um, yeah, you're you're, you're an incredible story about that. that that's that's in mm-hmm. his episode. Yeah, your adversaries define your rewards. Adversaries define your rewards. Hmm. Interesting. I'll have to think about that. Um, listen, there's a there's a fact that I, you share with us, and I touched on it a little bit before, uh, that I I think is 
well worth diving into. And that is um, the fact that you, to this day, uh, share with us that you still experience stage fright. Which is <laughs> well, yeah. Astonishing, right? I mean, you're talking about one of the greatest musicians of our lifetime uh, who's performed like, Millions. For millions of people, upon thousands millions. of times, yeah. for millions yeah. upon millions of people, and whose music has been heard by billions. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, my daughter just got married, and we had your music playing. Um, you know. Let me tell you how that that came into play. How was that possible? Okay, this is possible like this. Well, I grew up blind like a bat. I couldn't see very well, and I always wore glasses. When I got on stage, I would take my glasses off. Then I would just see the heads, no eyes, no mouth, no definition. Then I could act like an ostrich with my head in the sand. And I could be like, I don't, if I don't see you, you don't see me. So I could be an alter ego. And so for many, many years, that's how I performed on stage. So one day, I'm playing at a place called the Worlds of Fun in Kansas City for about 40,000 people with the Daz Band. And I'm getting ready to slink up to the stage all suave and the boner. And I'm walking up there, get ready to sing this ballad. Don't gamble with my love. And the band is And I'm just getting ready to, I'm getting ready to go up there and sing. And I had just got these Balsham Lam soft contacts. When they first came out with the heater and the, the sanitizer and all that stuff, and I had put those things in, I could see 40,000 pairs of eyes looking at me. I couldn't think of one word to say. Wow. <laughs> and the band is just playing. I'm just, I'm standing up there like a deer in the headlights. I, I couldn't find one word. I thought it was the weed. I was, no, I couldn't see nothing. <laughs> I, was, I was like, oh man, I couldn't see anything. Oh, gosh. Then when I came back to the room late, I mean, later on, when by the time they got to the court, don't, don't gamble, gamble. I, then I got it, and I was back in remote, in automatic. I got back to the room. Some maids had broke, not broken in. They were cleaning the room at night, and my little personal bag that I had my sanitizer and distilling thing for the contacts, they had taken my overnight bag. I just went out to the balcony, took the, the contacts out, bloop, bloop, threw them out. I went back to being blind. I was like, I ain't never going to do that again. <laughs> Is that now, right? so, uh, have, you, have you gone back to wear contact lenses since? I mean, you're not wearing no, glasses well, now. Well, no, I'm not wearing glasses now. But what ended up happening was 30-something years later, this happened about four years ago or three years ago, I had um, the LASIK surgery. Did you? And did it work for you? Perfectly. So much so that I went out on stage, swandered up, sauntered to the microphone of this song called Heartbeat. Listen to your heartbeat, playing the rhythm, my song. And I'm over there getting ready to sing this. I'm playing at the Paula Casino. I got about 3,500 pairs of eyes looking at me. And I could see it for the first time in 35 years. The same thing happened to me. I was like, oh. <laughs> I've done this song a million times. I've done this song a thousand times, more than a thousand times. And it just threw me off. And I was like, but I battled through that being uncomfortable. Get a grip. Next time I was more prepared and then I could just kind of take myself outside of my body and, and just go ahead. Cause I was looking at people like, you know, giving them the eye and everything. 
and I couldn't see Jack. I was just acting. I couldn't see Jack. But I've learned how to overcome that. I, I remember playing at a place in Monte Carlo called the Sporting Club with Cool in the Gang. And I'm singing Cherish. They got a stainless steel stage that pushes you out to the tables. There's no chairs and, and seats. And it's all tables with food settings and all of that stuff and champagne. And they're pushing you out to the tables. The roof had come off of the place. The glass windows behind the curtains had opened up. You were looking out into the Monte Carlo Bay with the yachts. And we're, they push us out. Then I'm sitting in a steel catwalk that was ejected out into right to the edge of a, sta- a table. When we got to the edge of that table, it just stopped. And the band is playing. I'm supposed to sing, let's take a walk together. But I couldn't think of a word because I'm looking there. Here was Sir Elton John. Princess Steffi and, and Andrew or whatever, Prince Henry or somebody whatever, from Stephanie. Oh, my God. They're sitting right there looking at me. And, and Elton John's looking at me because the band is just dum, 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 dum. What's wrong with Skip? Dum, 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 dum. He's not singing. Dum, dum, dum. And Elton John is like, he's frozen like a deer. And then look at him over there. Dum, 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 dum. I couldn't figure out a word. And my mouth is just smacking. Dum, 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 dum. Then when they put it, dum, 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 cherish the love. We had up the, oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, it got me, brought me back. Oh, oh my goodness. So that's why I figured out after all these shows that I do have stage fright, or I did have it. But the challenge was for me to overcome that and put my mind in another place. And I only was able to deal with it when I dealt with it. When I didn't deal with it, it just stayed on and went on for years and years, take off my glasses, and that was a quick fix. Later on, I got my eyes done, and I faced what it was that I had feared the most head on, and it helped me to overcome that. So if we have fears, if we have, you know, things, phobias, what have you, well, Get you a pet snake and hold on to it for a little bit so you get past that. You know, put a, 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 put a spider on your a tarantula on your arm. Get past that. You know, uh, stand on top of a balcony and rappel backwards with the rope so you get used to falling with that and get comfortable. Head on to those fears. Uh, and that will, that challenge will teach you and take you to another level of your being that you didn't think existed just because you faced it. Mm-hmm. that's awesome that's the path to victory yeah yeah absolutely that's is. what makes victory so sweet is facing it victory is nothing without a, a, a some kind of adversary or some kind of challenge victory is nothing well it, one last thing and first of all thank you for that story that's that's amazing i i thought you were going to say that you put the microphone to elton john let him sing but uh, <laughs> that, was, uh, yeah. that was great um in in the pre-interview you gave us an amazing personal quote, um, and, and it's original, which I love, which is nothing is impossible because possible came first. Yes. How has, which a just fantastic. And, and how has embracing this mindset helped you in your life? And do you have any advice for people who are watching and listening to this podcast on how they too can adopt this philosophy? 
Well, you will you will believe it when you see it. Um, when you see something and have that aha moment, and you then you will believe it, and that's how I have adopted, you know, certain things by just. I believe it so much from either seeing it or feeling it or accomplishing it or challenging it. Uh, when it be, when you become fully aware, you know, uh, leave your minds open to, you know, anything can happen. Believe that anything can happen. I try to believe that most things positive are going to happen versus whatever you think is going to happen is what's going to happen. So I think that positive things are going to be the things that happen. Growing things are going to be the things that happen. Now, if you have a mindset that's like, this is never going to work, that's probably what's going to happen. This will never be like that. I couldn't. I can't. I didn't. You know, that's how it's going to evolve and manifest itself. But my whole life plan was, I'm going to be this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to be here. I'm going to make that happen. I'm going to do this job because it needs to be done. I remember being in Ghana, Africa. I have family in there. My wife and her family, they're from Ghana and West Africa. And they've got difference in, in the culture that they have rich and shanty poor. So you have a rich house across the street. These guys are doctors and bankers. They have drivers who are driving their cars. They have people cook their food for them. They pay for that. They got gardeners. They have all of this stuff. Across the street, they got shanties. But in the middle of the street, they have potholes because the country or the government, what have you, is corrupt. They're taking the money. They're not fixing the streets and this and that. So people are driving Mercedes Benz and Jaguars through uh, two-foot-wide potholes that are four or five inches deep and nobody's done anything. So I'm over there. It's a 98 degrees, about 92% humidity, like jungle book. And I get a, a wheelbarrow and I tell a young guy, I give him $20, which is a no, two months worth of work money for him. U.S. dollars. I give that to him. I say, you're going to help me. You help me pull the, the wheelbarrow. Yes, sir. What are we going to do? He said, give me a shovel. He got me a shovel. We went over to this one over the place. I started getting red clay and gravel, filling up the, the wheelbarrow. He pushed the wheelbarrow down the street, and I would start filling the potholes. And I would step on them and put water over it so it would dry hard like cement. And I'd go down to the next one. And I'd go down to the next one. And I'd go down to the next one. Now, why am I doing that? Because it needed to be done. And hopefully, when I got back home, my wife, I got back home early. My wife sent me a picture later on, about a week later. And she was showing me a picture of a driveway with asphalt in it. And I'm like, why are you sending me this picture of asphalt on the driveway? Because he said, because people saw what you did and it made an example. So they started putting asphalt on their driveways. So wow, amazing! <laughs> I, I I'll tell you what I'll tell you what I'm taking away from what you just shared. First of all, 
as I think about the first thing you said, which is you need to see it to believe it. I think you're talking about seeing it yourself and in your own mind. It doesn't necessarily right. have to yet be manifested. Right. In your own mind, you yes. need to see the end game. You need to believe yes. it. That's the first thing. Right. The second thing I heard is, and I am a, absolutely a believer in it, is that if you, the, 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 a big differentiator between people who accomplish things and people who do not is people who are negative and think negatively fail. Mm -hmm. We all face the same challenges, but if you start from a place of expecting to fail, then you're very likely to fail. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to do something, you may as well do it believing you have the opportunity to accomplish it, be successful in it, and be mindful about not listening to the naysayers because they're mm -hmm. going to be naysayers. And there always mm -hmm. are reasons why things won't work out. But if mm -hmm. you genuinely have seen it in your own mind, go for it. And the last thing I heard you say, which I think is such a profound thing. I mean, we're, we're talking to a legend who is filling potholes. Yeah. There's nothing that you're too good to do. Right. There's, there's no job that needs to be done that any one of us is above doing. If you're getting started, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be doing some things that quote unquote are beneath you. There's no such thing. It is, in fact, almost always the case that big things begin with small steps. Mm -hmm. Massive movements begin with an individual who's willing to step out. Okay? Mm -hmm. And I think you've lived a life where you've done that over and over again. And that's mm -hmm. why you've accomplished funky stuff and you've had a lot of big fun doing it. Mm -hmm. Going in a couple more, just yeah. <laughs> um, PJ, I don't know that I've had a more fun episode. Uh, first of all, the the musical effect. You know, you and PJ and I uh, were talking literally right before you joined about the fact that uh, we're going to be adding some sound effects to the show, and and uh, we were doing a little bit of that, and and you actually gave us the human version of sound effects. Yeah, uh, and and from the mouth of a legend, no less, and. Uh, how humbling uh, to have heard you <laughs> sing for us and hum for us. Um, I don't know, PJ. I feel like I, you know, I have. I want to give you a chance to say your goodbye as well before before I say mine. Or you know, uh, it just feels like a moment I'm going to remember. Not not just you know in the context of our podcast, lovely, but in the context of my life, having the opportunity to sit here in front of a man whose music I listened to my entire life. Who's who's well, part you. of the soundtrack of my life, and and I gotta say it was a even as impromptu as your scat was uh, at various points during our during our show. I mean, yeah, I'm a big, huge fan of Al Jarreau, and uh, mm -hmm. as soon as you started doing that, it just took me back to him, and I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, man. Oh. and like the first the first concert I ever went to was Chuck Mangione. Or actually, oh, second, wow. second yeah. ba -da -da, ba -da -da -da. Yep. Yep. feels yep. so good, right? So yep. it's uh, it's it's been an, an absolute honor and so very cool to have been able to spend this time with you and learn more about you and and so appreciative of all the humanity that you've shown and just just like Tal talked about, like reminding everyone that yeah, you can you can sing to Elton John, but you can also fill a pothole and help help some people out, right? I mean, that's yeah, that's amazing, exactly. That's amazing. Yeah, exactly. You know, 
Our, so, our guest today was the amazing Skip Martin, a Grammy and Emmy award-winning artist, songwriter, producer, author, uh, known obviously for his legendary career with Cool and the Gang and the Daz Band, recent uh, honoree with the Presidential Lifetime Achievement Award. Um, thank you. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. Uh, thank we you. We hope to have you back. And uh, and uh, here's to uh, to a friendship, which I <laughs> I say with <laughs> nothing but humility. I, <laughs> uh but I, I I feel uh you know privileged uh you know to to have had the opportunity to have you on the show and uh to have you a part of my life. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much, Tal, and uh, I appreciate it. Outstanding, sir. Outstanding. Thank you so much. Okay. All righty. And that's a wrap, folks. Like what you heard, want to support the show? Please follow our page on LinkedIn and Facebook. Visit us on YouTube, and please like and rate us on all of your favorite podcast streaming services. You can also see exclusive content, subscribe for free to our weekly blog, support our sponsors, and soon buy our merchandise at www.bravingbusiness.com. Thanks for being a part of our production, and we'll see you next time on the Braving Business Podcast. Mm-hmm.